Hi folks, when a break of tradition, we are lifting the paywall immediately on the conversation I had only about an hour ago with Ukrainian MP Lesia Vasilenko, and that's simply because the campaign she's involved with um, to un-Russia the UN, and I've gotten that wrong again, uh, is time-sensitive given that the UN Council meeting is happening in New York this week. So we are putting it out to everybody now. That doesn't mean that we don't want you to join us, that we don't want you to support us. Please do. If you're listening to our podcasts, if you get something out of them, please give something back. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month. And for that, you get tons of additional content and you help keep these shows on the road. The mics stay on because you pay it forward and we really appreciate everybody who chips in and does so. It really makes all the difference. Uh, I won't delay any further. The link for Lesia's campaign that she references is in the podcast, so it's in your hand. All you got to do is click on that. If you want to sign the petition, sign away. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I'm back uh, speaking to a, a friend who we haven't heard from in a while. Um, Ukrainian MP Lesia Vasilenko, who is in the Ukrainian parliament as we begin this conversation. Lesia, it's good to talk to you. How are you? Hello, Tony. It's great to be back. And as you can hear from the background, I am actually in the assembly room of the Ukrainian parliament reporting directly from here. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's been it's been an eventful few weeks, but the announcement this, this morning was that uh, Vladimir Putin has announced a partial mobilization in Russia and warned the West against nuclear blackmail. Um, some of the some of the more informed opinions I've said uh, I've read, I should say, are, are talking about the fact that his troops are exhausted and this this mobilization is simply a case that he needs to rotate troops to give them a break. Can I ask you how has that announcement been received within um, your uh, within the government and within the, the parliament? To be honest, in Ukraine, uh, we just uh, mind our own business and carry on, and we carry on liberating Ukrainian lands, villages, towns, cities, liberating Ukrainian people. We're uh, making good advances on the counter-offensive, and that's what matters to us. I mean, whatever Putin can say, uh, or do for that matter, it's, it's not going to stop Ukrainians fighting for our freedom and for our right to exist. As I said many times before, we don't really have a plan B, we only have a plan A, we only have one and that is exactly what we are fighting for. And there's no amount of Russian propaganda or Russian ultimatums and blackmail and terror that can deter us uh, from our way to victory. And uh, just on the, the the other thing, which is quite interesting, is this trying to rush through these these uh, votes to rejoin Russia in certain in, in some of the other regions. Obviously, the international community should be condemning this immediately as just as just a stunt. Well, I think that's what's happening, isn't it? Uh, the leaders of uh, the US, the UK, uh, France, uh, Canada, the, the EU leaders, uh, they have all been very vocal on saying that they will not recognize a single one of the referendums that uh, Putin has announced, uh, that they will continue uh, giving support to Ukraine and that they still recognize Russia's actions as the crime of aggression that Russia is committing against Ukraine. So I think when it comes to statements, they were very clear. Uh, I think I can say that the West has done a good job in learning from the mistakes 
of the past. I mean, this, the obvious mistake here was the recognition of the annexation of Crimea through a referendum in 2014. Now, of course, uh, I realized that uh, the, the, the annexation of Crimea was condemned and uh, there's not a single country uh, which actually recognizes that the euro in, in any kind of legal documents or in any kind of political statements. But uh, de facto, in fact, what happened is that uh, sort of Crimea was allowed to, to slip by. It was, uh, it was yeah, almost I, like a sacrifice, you know, given to Russia in the hope that uh, having annexed Crimea, that Russia would stop and not continue uh, its war against Ukraine and against freedom and against democracy. And of course, Russia didn't stop. Because no, but, but, uh, but, putting the aggressor only uh, incites more aggression. You mentioned Crimea, and it's a very interesting statement yesterday from the Turkish President Erdogan saying that Crimea and must must be must be returned as well. Which which I thought, given you know the nature of Vladimir Putin going to visit with 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 what we would have called maybe loosely some of his allies, was an unusual statement. Did, did, how, how did you, was that perceived differently within Ukraine as well? That Erdogan has come out and said no, all of this has to go back. Well, look, uh, the Ukrainian president, uh, President Zelensky, has been very, very clear on the fact that uh, victory for Ukraine and uh, any kind of peace deals shall be possible only when all of the territories of Ukraine uh, 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 are brought back under the Ukrainian flag. And that, of course, includes Crimea, and that, of course, includes the uh, territories of the Donetsk and Luhansk region that have been under occupation since 2014. And this statement of President Zelensky has been uh, iterated to uh, all the other world leaders and to all the other parties that are trying to broker peace for Europe uh, and the world. And I think this is exactly what you will be seeing happening, is that leader after leader will be re repeating the same the same statement, that peace is only possible once all of Ukraine uh, is reinstated as an uh, integrated sovereign state. I, look, I just, I, I just thought personally, I found it interesting that maybe you know, uh, Turkish President Erdogan was was had had really been so clear because I didn't anticipate it. There's something else that's really interesting and really, um, I'd like you to talk to our listeners and we will, you know, get it out there. You, there's there is a campaign to basically, you know, I, I think the hashtag is on on Russia the UN. And um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and and, and what what sort of pressure we, you think that can bring to bear? Right, so this week is uh, the 77th session of the of the UN. It's taking place in New York, and there's one country which has absolutely, absolutely no right to be present in the UN as a member state, and let alone as a permanent member of the UN Security Council. And that country is, of course, Russia. The thing is that in 1991, when there was the breakup of the Soviet Union, every single country that broke away from the Soviet Union was readmitted into the UN because the procedures of the UN are such that they demand that a country as a new member is voted into the UN. Russia was never voted into the UN. That's number one. And number two, Russia never actually signed or ratified the UN Charter. And since 1991, this diplomatic swindle was sort of uh, allowed to happen. And and states, uh, uh, member states of the UN kept silent on the matter because the general policy of the Western world was, was always Russia first. And um, with that, the rules of the UN were broken. But the UN being the UN, being a huge global uh, institution, it cannot function if there's 
exception being made from the rules if uh, one member state starts starts breaking away from and it is imperative right now for the UN to be functioning properly and to to be uh, to stop being paralyzed by by Russia by that rule breaker the aggressive state who has zero respect for the uh, values of, of the UN and for uh, the, the words written in the UN charter for the UN to, to become a functioning organization again uh, really what needs to happen is Russia needs to be excluded first from the UN Security Council it needs to be stripped of its veto power which it uses as a power to kill Ukrainians and not just Ukrainians, but to exert aggression across the world. And Russia needs to be actually uh, excluded as a member of the UN in order to be readmitted again into the organization. But this time, as a, a party, as a state, who actually understands what is written in that charter and who respects the provisions of that charter. And the provisions of the UN charter are very clear. The UN is an organization which has been set up to ensure long-standing peace and security across the globe and to prevent aggressive wars from happening. Uh, now, this is a campaign uh, which is called Un-Russia UN, which is a social media campaign. And uh, the first step of this campaign is to make sure that a petition is signed, a petition addressing these very issues of Russia's illegal status and illegal presence in the UN. Mm, to be uh, to be looked at and regarded by the UN Secretariat and by all the member states of the UN. So I'm asking uh, probably all your listeners as well to join into this petition to do a simple uh, social media post, be it on Facebook, be it on Twitter, with the hashtag #UnRussiaUN and uh, sign the petition, which is on uh, Change Org. Uh, Change Org. It, it already has. It already has just just about shy of a hundred thousand signatures already. I I I'm interested in one point that you said on that though. That if Russia is 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 suspended and and you know I you know I have strong feelings about the use of the veto, especially when it comes to the persecution of of, of other countries, whether that be in Ukraine or in in say Palestine and Gaza. I have strong feelings about that myself. I don't like the use of the veto, but but the idea that Russia would then be admitted uh, again as as a member, I think that's important as well that people understand that negotiation and diplomacy can be achieved once the war, once violence and uh, ceases, once it ceases, it, it gives the scope to have those conversations again because and maybe the UN has a role to play there. The, the UN has a huge role to play. Actually, it's, it's an institution. It is a rules-based institution. Uh, the mechanisms and the instruments of the UN have worked uh, in many circumstances, but uh, they will never work if, if the UN is being paralyzed and held hostage by countries such as Russia. And the reform of the UN is definitely something we can discuss and it should be underway. But uh, the reform of the UN can start by going back to the rules and actually uh, having Russia out of the Security Council and out of the of the UN in principle. And that can also be, you are absolutely right, it can be used as a negotiation uh, position. It can be used as a position to prompt Russians and Russia to uh, uh, embrace democracy 
and to promote human rights and to actually reform Russia from the inside, which would in turn contribute to global peace and security and overall victory for democracy. But uh, I, I think we could have a whole different conversation on the yeah. UN. And yeah, the, absolutely, absolutely. And now, and now is not the moment for that. I agree with you. We now, we now is now is is the, is the time for direct action. And I and absolutely. So I just, but I also would like before we finish, I would like to ask how is how are things now in in terms of the like. The morale. The last time we spoke on WhatsApp, you know, the morale was really good, given the the the, the stunning turnaround in in, in capturing back land and, and and the the defeat of many Russian troops. How are how are pe- people feeling now as we head into the winter and head into a period whereby you know it, it does seem it will be a long winter of entrenchment. Honestly, uh, and psychologically speaking, I can say that we're in sort of uh, limbo. On the one hand, of course, uh, we are embracing the uh, the victories of our army on the front line and the advances of the counteroffensive. But on the other hand, we are seeing just what the uh, the occupation uh, of Ukrainian land or the liberation of Ukrainian land is uncovering, and it's uncovering atrocities, war crimes, crimes against humanity that the Russian occupants were committing against peaceful Ukrainian civilians. I mean, just the the mass graves in the zoo, 450 graves uh, of just wooden crosses in the middle of the woods, and every uh, every single body that is taken out of that grave shows signs of of murder, of being killed, uh, forceful death by bullets or by torture or uh, by by other violent actions. And um, with that, the smiles are wiped out of right of our faces because uh, every single uh, one of these war crimes is a personal tragedy for a Ukrainian family who has lost and who will have to live with that loss for the rest of their lives. I think that's really important to point out, and I appreciate you you outlining it so so well that it is. And I, I if I could point listeners to, um, we spoke a few few um, days ago to Angus Kelly from Irish Rule of Law International, who was traveling to Ukraine as uh, in his capacity as a human rights lawyer to investigate these war crimes. So so there is obviously the links between nations have been strengthened by what's happened here, and uh, you know we want to wish Angus and the team that that are doing that all the best of in in their endeavors. Really really really. Th- Take him. Listen, Lesia. I'm I'm conscious of that. You you you're at work and you've lots to do. And um, people, the 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 link to the. To, to the petition is going to be in this podcast so that is the call to action folks have that and and you know if you're using your social media make sure you use the correct hashtag not what i said it is un, 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 uh, un, un UN. UN. i got it wrong twice and um and, and listen thanks so much for talking to me again today it's good it's good to hear your voice and i hope uh, i hope to talk to you soon and and fingers crossed that this momentum continues uh, and uh you know uh, it's been it's great it's great it's just so it's so funny to hear these guys clapping and applauding in the background here it's it's a very vivid scene i i'm i'm uh, i'm sure at the moment oh it definitely is and i hope that the more victories ukrainian army uh, has the more time it will give us to have more in-depth discussions about what's going on in ukraine and in this part of the world and also maybe even give some time to what is going on in the ukrainian parliament <laughs> absolutely absolutely Lesi Vasilenko, thank you for taking the time to talk to me thank and you. we will we'll be back soon folks take care bye bye Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only, it's the Echo Chair.
subscribe now on Patreon.